Welcome to this Texas Sports Nation podcast, Texans edition. Brooks Gabina here with Jonathan Alexander. Just came out of rookie minicamp with a draft class that should be part of bringing the Texans out of their rebuild. Uh, we got a chance to see them on the field on Friday and Saturday. Get to see them in pads, see them stretch. That's mostly what we got to see, but we saw a couple other things too. I uh, got a chance to talk to Will Anderson and Juice Scruggs, second round pick, who could be the center of the future for the Texans. Last week, I see the schedule come out. We're going to start seeing this team go into OTA, see the veterans, get to talk to them some more. Um, so out of this, obviously, more going into the Texans coming out of the last couple of years, starting to crawl back into relevancy here. I guess to start with this, it's really kind of a symbolic view of the rookies more than we got to see them really kind of practice, right, Jonathan? I mean, what what, what from the weekend did you take away from this and what 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 should fans that are paying attention now and, and have been for a couple of years too, what were the most important things that came out of that weekend in your opinion? You know, like you mentioned, we didn't really see much. Uh, you know, we saw some nice warm-up throws by C.J. Stroud. Uh, you know, they only want us to guess the first few minutes. You know, I think maybe like the biggest takeaways is is you see kind of listening to players like Juice Scruggs and Will Anderson speak, you kind of hear the same message. And, and you wonder if that's the message either being preached by, you know, Nick Casario and D'Amico Ryans or they just went out. They just got the guys that they wanted. And I, the message seems to be like, you know, they're trying to earn everything. They don't feel like they're owed a position on this team as starters, even though. Uh, both Will Anderson and uh, Juice Scruggs, as well as C.J. Stroud, are expected to be starters. Um, you know, they feel like they have to earn it, earn their teammates' respect. Uh, you know, that's a good mindset to have. You know, Will Anderson in particular is going to be a huge impact player. Of course, you know, stopping the run and, and getting after the quarterback were uh, some of the biggest holes that the Texans needed to fill this offseason. And now they have Anderson, who, you know, could potentially be a starter immediately and should be um, and could be a, a big impact player. He's moving from, uh, you know, a stand-up. Well, he played some with his hand in the dirt last year, but when he had his best production uh, in 2021, he was uh, playing at a stand-up position. Now he's playing with his hand in the dirt. So we'll see how that impacts uh, him and, and whether he can still have that same level of production, both he and D'Amico Ryans don't seem to think it'll be a problem, but it, it'll be something to watch. I don't expect Will Anderson to have much trouble at all transitioning because of just watching him on film, you see the high motor he has. And not only that, just any person I call or talk to him about it brings up his work ethic. And I know that can get to a point where it gets real cliche. You're like, oh, well, you know, all these NFL players definitely have work ethic. No kidding. But I mean, that's just more, again, support that it's going to be a, a position of strength for him. Someone who is, you know, two-time SEC Defensive Player of the Year, he's going to be able to figure it out. I'm not concerned about that, nor should anybody expect C.J. Stroud not to start week one. I know every coach is going to be like, oh, they got to earn it. Yeah, okay. Well, you drafted him number two overall, and we saw the quarterback issues the past couple of years. Stroud's going to be playing week one. I think the one thing that might have been interesting that we got to see was that Tank Dell was returning punts. That's like the one thing that we got to see uh, just some uh, looks at in that rookie camp. Uh, I don't think that's any surprise to anybody. Obviously, was a, a explosive kick returner and punt returner. And, uh, you know, there are people like uh, on the Texans roster right now that 
like Desmond King has been a stable return man. Um, obviously, they got um, Amari Rogers last year to see how he'd cycle in. Um, Steven Mims, they signed to, to see what it goes into. I just, I don't see a situation where Tank Dell doesn't come in and, and have a chance to push for that kind of role. But man, he was listed at 5'10", 165. And he looked every bit of 165, maybe less, but I know he's short in 5'10". People were talking about Bryce Young over the weekend. Dell, Dell's got some size to work into, but um, I mean, that, that that was one of the takeaways for me. Deep from the wide receiver position in that, in that case, for sure. That's one thing for sure. He definitely looked the size as a small heat. I remember speaking to him at the senior bowl and he was saying that he was 160. He hoped to get to 165. You know, I wonder, you know, how much more weight they'll probably want to put a little bit more. I, I doubt too much more, but yeah, he, he definitely is undersized, but he's, he's going to be a player who they hope should make a, a big impact uh, kind of early on. He was drafted. they, Drafted in the third round, so uh, they don't have number one wide receiver. Not that Tank Dell will be the number one wide receiver, but they don't really have that quote unquote star. So they're going to be looking for uh, you know contributors, uh, you know, everywhere. And Tank Dell could be that person who could come in and 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 they view him as a guy who can make splash plays. And, and you mentioned return. Uh, you know, they don't currently right now don't have a kick returner. You know, Traymond Smith was responsible for that. Uh, duty uh, before he left in free agency to the Broncos. Uh, they definitely have options at punt return, but you know he's somebody who I think Tank is somebody who could, even if it's not as uh, top wideout, he he's somebody who could come in and, and make a significant impact kind of early on. But I do think weight is going to be uh, you know an issue. You know his size uh, definitely is something to watch. I mean I've seen comparisons to somebody like Devontae Smith, right? But Devontae Smith. Is a little bit different than Tank Dell. Devontae Smith was was six one. Uh, yeah, was I was six, I was gonna, I was wondering where that comparison went. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean that's a that's a totally different situation. Devontae Smith has size. Tank Dell is is a little bit on the shorter end. I don't know ex- what is he about five eight. Yeah, he's much smaller uh, than Devontae Smith. So I wouldn't really make that comparison. So I do think it's so. When you look at a lot of the more successful shorter wide receivers. They were very stalky down low. They were very very. Dick Bill, they had a lot of power down in their lower body. And I think that's something Tank is going to have to develop over time for sure. Yeah, and he hits that wide receiver position that really does need a lot of work. As we've mentioned in the last podcast and, you know, really in the offseason going into it, which I which I think is, I guess, when you think about this offense and not only just the pieces and C.J. Stroud, but the coaching staff too. Like Bobby Sloak, you wrote that long profile on him. Um, not many people knew much about him. This is going to be his first time as a play caller, an organization guy on that sense. Um, but you know, they've got a couple of senior offensive assistants that we've noted over the offseason, former guys that have worked with quarterbacks or offense coordinators like Shane Day. Uh, but Ben McDaniels, watched him work with Tank Dell. Uh, you know, he's been a part of the coaching staffs the last couple of years. And with with, with what I'm, – I'm curious how this offense is going to be built around the not only the wide receiver core, but implementing C.J. Stroud into this mix, because I just don't see many of these guys gaining a lot of separation, burning down the field, chunking it deep. Because like that's what we were talking about last year too with with uh, Davis Mills. I just see it a lot. to to be able to organize within the ten, the twenty yard, the mid range throws. That that screams to me Dalton Schultz. That screams to me 
you know, even John Mechie, like we haven't seen anything from him yet, but I'm really curious to see what that range is going to be like. Who are the guys that are able to play off of each other within that space? Obviously, that's why they got Devin Singletary, too, a guy that comes out of the backfield. But we'll get to see him later on the OTAs, along with Damian Pierce, and see if he got better as a pass catcher. Um, but, I, I mean, from 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 the draft and the rookies that we saw, both offensively and defensively, where did the Texans improve the most? I think they improved most on the defensive line. Like, I, I think wide receiver room is definitely a concern. I think that's where they're going to have a struggle, and they're going to have to be really good in the running game. Uh, compared to how they were last year, like Damian Pierce was good, but overall their running game wasn't good. Um, but I, I really do believe um, that their defensive line is going to be a lot better. Um, you, you know, you add players like Sheldon Rankings. Um, you add players like Will Anderson. Um, you know, I don't know how good Chase Winovich is, um, but they're adding depth um, to the offensive line. And much needed depth. And, and player they got from the 49ers, Hassan Ridgeway, who should be a solid defensive tackle. So they didn't have depth last year at defensive tackle. It was Malik Anderson, Roy Lopez, and you using Kurt Heinish and, and Thomas Booker, a lot of young players, um, who it was their first time. Uh, and they obviously struggled. And, and there was a lot of experimentation with that defensive line. And now I think you're seeing them add it veterans as well as really talented player in and Will Anderson, not to mention Dylan Horton, who, you know, has had success at TCU. I think they should be a lot better because they have more depth. They can rotate more players in. If somebody gets hurt, they're not having to uh you, you know cycle through uh guys who were undrafted or, or fifth round pick. And and these guys who are undrafted, they play well for for where they were drafted and or undrafted. But you also add in the fact that those guys are course, coming into their second year, so they have more experience, so they know. So um, I, I definitely think defensive line is, is, is where they've improved the most, and I, I doubt that they'll be gashed like they were uh, last year in their running game. And, and perhaps they could get back to the quarterback. What, what do you think? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Dylan Horton because the edge rushing for the Texans the last couple of years, just quarterbacks have looked comfortable most of the time. And – there was a lot of excitement when the Texans went up to go get him in the draft. And uh, from high school to now, he's moved from skill position through, you know, from safety to linebacker and then to defensive end. Got a lot of speed there. And I think him working off Will Anderson will be really interesting because Anderson's the type who could demand the uh, running back chip, the tight end chip. And then obviously you see some movement for other guys freeze up one-on-ones. Dylan Horton's got some great speed off the edge. I wonder how he might do in his first year uh, with the Texans. But we didn't really talk too much about undrafted free agents the last couple weeks. Bringing up the defensive line, I think a guy that who could make the roster, maybe down the line, a guy named Ali Gay uh, was an edge setter for LSU. He's got great size at 6'6", 265. I covered him there whenever I was covering LSU. Once they picked him up, I was actually really interested in that because he's a guy who could get into the backfield, but he was really good in run game situations. I think people are familiar with anybody who likes to talk about Jadavian Clowney, uh, how he didn't get the sack total that everybody wanted, but the guy was really good at setting edges, helping things in the rush. And then, you know, JJ Watt taking over on the other side. I'm not saying Ollie Gay is (laughs) Jadavian Clowney, obviously not number one overall pick. I'm just using that as a comparison to what I think they might be able to get out of an undrafted rookie. Just somebody for people to circle on their roster, 
Uh, I'd be interested to see what they do there. Any other players that you feel like we haven't really addressed that could have a major impact? As far as like major impact, aside from guys like Wilson, or even a small one, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think somebody who could, you know, find himself within a couple of years. I, I think he'll be a special teams guy. Is 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 Henry Otoato? I I need to learn how to pronounce his name, but you know, he was a guy who really wasn't on the Texans. He probably on the Texans radar, but he was a guy who he was totally bamboozled that the Texans drafted him because he didn't talk to him. But, you know, I just see a lot of uncertainty at their linebacker position. They've they've really, uh, especially at middle linebacker, they've signed these guys, these short term deals, guys like Denzel Perriman, who's proven to be good, but he's never had a full season uh, healthy. Uh, You know, Christian Kirksey uh, is coming up on, I think, the last year of his deal. He could potentially be cut to save money. I don't. I don't know that they're going to do that. I think they would keep him. But uh, I'm just saying his contract situation is what it is. You have guys like Jermaine Carter who they signed who didn't, you know, last on the Cleveland Browns roster. Uh, I just think there's a lot of uncertainty there that Henry could come in and, and play special teams and carve in a special teams role, and then in the future, if he continues to develop, you know, he could potentially play a factor on that linebacker core. Um, now a lot will have to happen, right? for that to happen, but I just think he's a guy who could see some time. I really see <sighs> Christian Kirksey, when you see $5.2 million in potential cap savings, that's whether they cut him before June 1st or after, the way that they're trying to organize this roster, when you think about Denzel Perryman and Corey Littleton, they only get about $1.5 million each on those two guys. And the, historically, with the Texans the last couple of years, guys who have had large cap saving potential that are in position battles, man, I, 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 I just see five times the amount I'm going to see. I'm, that'd be really hard uh, for the Texans to pass up on if they're trying to clear space for, you know, two first round picks that they have. And then the rest and Kirk's is going to really, I could, I could see this happening, how they go into training camp. But if he significantly separates himself or they have like absolutely no faith that Littleton or Perryman are going to be healthy full season. I just think whenever you have Henry, it's to Oto, I believe. And if I'm not, then we're going to figure it out eventually. If he's not in a place where they feel like he can support, you also have Garrett Wally. You have all these other linebackers. I just, I, 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 I'm, I'd be, I'd be surprised if Kirksey made it beyond training camp. But, um, you know, it, it, that linebacker position, you mentioned it, like defense, the, the defense giving up the most rushing yards and team history last year. A lot of that had to do with the defensive line too. Um, it, that, that'll definitely be interesting to see, uh, how that plays out as well as the wide receiver. And we also didn't get to Xavier Hutchinson, which I, which is, I think, I mean, he, he, he was just a numbers machine at Iowa state. A lot of people had him more in the middle rounds. Texans get him in the sixth, not a, not a, not the fastest, not the most explosive and jumping or reaching or anything like that. But, um, if there's somebody that might be able to work their way through, he might be that. Uh, one of the things that we got to last week, and I don't know if we're getting too late into it, and I, you know, the offseason, we can basically talk about whatever we want, but obviously the schedule came out last week. Um, me and you put together our predictions, and you can find that at HoustonChronicle.com, but, you know, save you all the, the, the trip, at least for this part. 6-11 and 11 is what we combined to look at. What were the major games? What's the biggest game off your mind that is most interesting to you that leaps off the page? You know, probably the most interesting off top of my head would probably be 
their game against the Colts. And they got an early battle against the Colts. And, you know, that game could go either way. And I think that could kind of, I mean, that could, week two, and that is at home, they could potentially, you know, start one and one and possibly build some momentum or have some confidence. I, you know, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but, you know, they lose that game. I could easily see them starting out 0-4. Maybe even get all the way to 0-6. You know, I don't think the Falcons are a good team, but and I think they'll win that game. But I just think winning that game could change the course of how they feel about the season and, and, and their mindset and their confidence kind of moving forward. You got C.J. Stroud versus Anthony Richardson, potentially. You're looking at the future of the AFC South Division. A lot of young, potentially really good quarterbacks going to be in the AFC South neutral adding on with Trevor Lawrence and and maybe Will Levis. We'll see what happens with Will Levis. But I think that game in particular is intriguing. Um definitely the first game is intriguing too. Going up against Lamar Jackson and you're seeing how how your your defense fares. And and I think the Texans are going to have a good defense as you you know they added I meant to say that they added Shaquille Griffin uh, in free agency. And I don't even know where Shaquille Griffin fits uh on the secondary because they're bringing up back a lot of their key contributors. So I think, you know, adding Shaquille Griffin gives them, you know, some depth and, and they can, and, and that's something that they were not in particularly in the secondary, but in other areas, something that they were missing in, in previous years. And it's why, you know, they were losing some games. They didn't have enough depth. So I think those two, those first two games are going to be interesting for me. What about you? Yeah. You know, those six games you, you mentioned, so it's Ravens, Colts, Jaguars, Steelers, Falcons, Saints, then that bye week. There really is a chance to go 0-6 going into this because, you know, the things that you look for in a season, where's your bye week, what kind, do you open at home, all those kinds of things, they didn't really do them much favors here. I wondered where we would see the Panthers game, whether that'd be week one so they'd see Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. At, at the very least, you'll see those guys in full form with games under their belts before they finally play each other for the first time. You mentioned the defense being better. We'll know immediately. Mm-hmm. That Ravens yeah. game. You know, we know Lamar Jackson's going to be healthy week one and can't see how they'd risk anything in the preseason after handing him the biggest contract <laughs> uh, that they he could. He will not be He touched. better not get one snap in the preseason. I wouldn't risk it at all. We're going to see what the edge is like, the defensive edge. We're going to see Will Anderson. He's going to be spotlight number one. Uh, how, how do they contain Lamar Jackson? How, they, how do they do against the run game? I, I'm excited enough to see that. One, I've never been to Baltimore. It's also, a you know, an aside, Brooks could be, and I was named after Brooks Robinson. So I wonder if he's still kicking around there. <laughs> Might have to go and find him. That's about as uh, influential a game as going off the, obviously the Colts you were talking about. I, I I just don't see Jim Ursay, the owner of the Colts sitting through, not just even one game, mm-hmm. any game, not seeing Anthony Richardson play. Yeah. Uh, if there's anybody that's more active vocally and behind the scenes other than Jerry Jones it seems like it's Ursay at this point throughout those games certainly will be interesting do you think 6 and 11 is that's in that range where they're still in the top 10 possibly uh, for picks people that were thinking about how trading up for Will Anderson or anything like that is 6 and 11 still a spot I mean because the Texans would be giving that pick to the Cardinals and they'd only have what the Browns have available to them and obviously that's a game on Christmas Eve later on that dictates what pick they receive later on. And they actually have the Cardinals on the schedule too. So how do you gauge success with the Ryans in his first year? And, and, and some of these rookies and 
the rookie class from last year too. Yeah, I think you gauge success just based on you know how your key rookies, the guys you drafted, Will Anderson and CJ Stroud are playing. I don't think this is a playoff team for depth because of the depth of this team. I think they, there are a couple of injuries that they can be using their backups and they won't be any good. Um, so that's why I have them at six and eleven. That's why we have them at six and eleven. Um, but I think success is, is CJ Stroud um, looking good. Uh, in the pocket, not necessarily having a great season, but making plays that make you say, wow, oh, that's 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 the quarterback of the future right there. Uh, when you see those plays happening, he'll only get better when they continue to surround him with more pieces. I would fully expect the Texans to target a, a top wide receiver if they could next year. Yeah, yeah. So uh, whether that's a trade or in the draft, depending on how high they get. So I just think if, if C.J. Stroud looks really look, – if you see that potential in C.J. Stroud, that he's making plays, that he can only get better, along with Will Anderson looking like he can be a huge impact player and Juice Scruggs being a starter the entire year and not having setbacks, I think that's what success looks like. Even if, it, even if that doesn't come in a playoff-type uh, scenario, I think 6-11 and, and 11, along with your – your best, pl- your young players continue to improve along with Damian Pierce staying healthy is what I would consider success. What would you consider success? A lot of the progression. You want to see development. Obviously, the biggest part of success this year is going to be how well does CJ Stroud perform. And one of those games that's on the schedule, the Bengals, they have them week 10. There'll be 10 games in for Stroud at that point. And I, I'm circling that one, not so much because of the matchup, although the Bengals defense has been good. And it'll be a test for Stroud, but having covered Joe Burrow and what we know about Stroud, I, I see a lot of just in how they pride themselves in accuracy, how they've been described as great on-script throwers. One of the things that Joe Burrow did as a rookie was handle himself in the same way that he did in college. He had a 65% completion percentage, uh, 13 to 5 touchdown ratio, and this is before he got injured, obviously, um, in his rookie year. Does Stroud have that same look? Is he the ball placement specialist that he said in the combine? And then through that would also be, is the offense that he's matched with through Bobby Slowick functioning? Like, can you see these spurts? I, I, I also think that they need to get key signature wins. I don't expect the Texans to be playoff winners this year, but the games last year where they had, say, like, the Cowboys on the ropes, the Chiefs on the ropes. These games where I don't think anybody was fooling themselves watching the Texans last couple of years, knowing their cap space situation, the roster limitations. No one expected them to win these things, but to at least see some of the, when they had the opportunity to make that happen, now they have a much better roster. So you, you get into a situation like that with, say it's the Ravens to start off, say it's, you know, the defense is playing better. Can you get that win? The Steelers is a winnable game. You know, the Browns, they had the Browns in a situation where they could because Deshaun Watson had his worst game of his career against them to open up. They need to get a, get over the hump in those kinds of wins to show that D'Amico Ryan can get them up and get them to play and perform from quarter one to quarter four. So those are the things that people have been missing. And it doesn't have to be a ton of wins. They don't have to make the playoffs. But people have to have hope in this team, and they have to have hope in themselves. Yeah. And, and and I think you know people will see hope. It, so you know, obviously the Texans were what thirty first in points per game last year. I think if you see the Texans finish somewhere 
20 or better in points per game and finish 20th or better in run defense. And I, I think that's significant improvement. And that's something I'd be excited about. The wins take time. It, it takes time to learn how to win as a team. And this is D'Amico Ryan's first year. And and I, I just think it's it's hard. It's, it's often hard. I was looking at just before we got on, I was looking at, you know, some of these turnarounds. And unless you just have a great roster uh, coming in as a new coach, it's, it's hard to win games. You got to learn how to win games. Um, but if I think if you see significant improvement in those key areas, like points per game, and, you know, not allowing all those rushing yards, I think as a fan, you've got to be ecstatic. The other thing I keep thinking about, too, is uh, the roster that D'Amico Ryan is coming into. You just mentioned that. It's a lot better a situation than a lot of first-time head coaches come into because the core of them, and this is after the draft and why I think it was so important and why it matters that they traded up for Will Anderson. You've got an offensive line that's pretty much solid. You've got Larry Tunsil, Titus Howard, one of the best tackle duos, if not the best in the NFL. Uh, you've got a couple of guards that need to get better. Um, Kenyon Green had struggled a lot last year. You're hoping that the development of a first-round pick will get there. Shaq Mason has been healthy, and that's a lot to say for what we've seen from guard at, with the Texans so far. We'll see what happens with center. I still think Scott Questenberry, and they even have Jared Patterson in the mix. I don't think it's clear that Juice Scruggs is going to go ahead and start. but. When you have that plus the defensive additions there, they're in a spot where I'm not going to say like, because the 49ers, whenever they first started, I thought there was a, still a lot more that they needed to add. And they were terrible in 2017 and then made that quick turnaround later on to make a Super Bowl uh, run a couple of years uh, after that. They didn't win, obviously, but having that quarterback situation right now, we're, this is when I bring up Nick Casario because it happens with a bunch of other teams. You draft a quarterback, you've got him in a four to five year window. I mean, I don't see the Stroud not getting his fifth year option picked up, but he's in that rookie contract. We saw the Bengals build their roster around Joe Burrow and make a run. Uh, you mentioned next year, them picking a wide receiver possibly within that range. We'll see if they're in that range because it would have to be the Browns to do that, to add a Jamar Chase is what mm -hmm. I mean. You know, that's the, the situation that uh, you're going to have to see them in. And uh, I, I, I think, uh, Nick Casario, like when you look at how does Derek Stingley perform, how does Christian Harris perform, we're going to see whether their draft acquisitions in this year are turning out to be guys that can be part of this team long term. If they're not, um, I think that's probably, if not number one, number two biggest question of the year so far, because I think number one or two is CJ Stroud's progression. But the larger picture is who's building this team. And if, uh, if, if they, don't think they're getting the most out of the players that are added from Casario. They know they've got three, four years to figure that out. And is Casario going to be the guy? So uh, one of those early major points going in. So we've covered a lot here. We've got more to come up in OTAs. Um, so we really appreciate all you guys listening, reading, and watching. You can subscribe at HoustonChronicle.com and uh, follow us on Twitter. I'm at B Cabina and uh, Jonathan. Uh, you can follow him at John M. Alexander. Uh, appreciate you guys listening again, and uh, we'll catch up with you next time. <laughs>